Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Acquisitions Anonymous. I'm Mills Snell. We have a fun episode today. We talk about this really interesting, uh, we like to make fun of it, but it's a, quote, partially SBA pre-qualified. Uh, it's a test prep business in the GRE sector. And so uh, these businesses are really interesting, typically. They're very high margin. They usually kind of create content one time, spend you know some money and some some cost associated with creating it, but then it can kind of live on in perpetuity with updates. And so they're typically very high margin businesses. Some of them are super specialized. Some of them are kind of more broad and generic. And we talk about some different instances of that that we've seen in the past. But this is a GRE one. It's been around just for a few years. It's incredibly high margin. They have a really high expectation around valuation and purchase price. And Heather and I talk about how realistic is that? You know, will they actually be able to get this purchase price? Um, will they fetch, you know, what they're looking for? And is it even financeable um, at those levels? We talk about some of the different um, kind of roles of the founder and how it plays into a business that's, um, you know, kind of content uh, and curated based like this. It's a fun one. And uh, we we do try to, we're not always good at this, but we do try to present kind of the bear and the bull case. So hope you enjoy it. And a big thanks to our sponsors this week. We have a new sponsor this week, webacquisition.com. They're an M&A agency focused on online businesses and due diligence specifically. They provide due diligence analysis for e-commerce businesses, FBA businesses with Amazon, content sites, SaaS businesses, and more. We talk about one of these uh, on, you know, on our episodes probably once a month, but they're out there. They're very prevalent. These guys have analyzed over a thousand online businesses to date. They say totaling over nine, mil- nine figures in value. They're known for catching red flags that other people miss because you, you got to know what to look for in these types of businesses. The web acquisition uh, team consists of real practitioners who run online businesses uh, in excess of seven figures, and each deal gets reviewed by a team of experts and specialists with real life experience. You'll receive a deep dive PDF report if you engage with them and an extremely quick turnaround time because time matters for these types of things um, on any business that you send to them. Uh, podcast listeners will receive an exclusive 10% off uh, for a limited time. If you go to go.webacquisition.com forward slash podcast and you mention Acquisitions Anonymous when filling out the contact form, you'll get that discount. You can also email the founder directly at info at webacquisition.com. If you have questions or want more details, uh, check these guys out if you're looking for a business in this sector and you feel like you need some help with due diligence to catch some of those red flags and make sure that you're uh, underwriting the business correctly. Thanks. Welcome back, everybody. Another episode of Acquisitions Anonymous. I'm Mill Snell, joined today by Heather Andreessen. Heather, how are you? I'm doing great, Mills. It's a it's a great day. Um, had a great week, and I've got a lot of customers with new signed LOIs, so I'm fired up. There's something in the water. It's that it's that time of year. Um, it is. It is. We like to joke. There's always different things that kind of catch our eyes when we, you know when we look at listings. And one that we like to joke about a lot that you've helped educate us on is this idea of you know SBA pre qualified. And I sent everyone one the other day in our uh, in our signal chat because I thought it was so funny. And it says partially. SBA pre-qualified, which you'll educate us more on in this episode, but pre-qualified is not a real thing per se. And so partially pre-qualified is even funnier. So um, I'm going to pull it up on the screen for the people who are watching on um, on YouTube, but um, you can you can start reading and uh, it'll be, I think, pretty funny. All right. So we have it is the headline, by the way, of this listing starts out partially SBA pre-qualified test prep membership business 
100% organic, zero marketing, 14,000 subscribers. Revenue is 787,000, earnings 685,000. So, wow. Um, asking price 6 million. Seller has never attempted marketing or any kind for the biz- of any kind for the business. Um, it's grown completely through word of mouth and referral traffic. Seller has not tested the pricing. It's $5 a month for the main subscription and $7 for the upgraded version. Maybe there's room for a price increase. And he says the competition charges at least $100 a month on average. Strong monthly recurring revenue, according to Stripe data, the monthly recurring revenue is has grown by over or by $25,556 over the last 12 months. Very specific. Huge expansion opportunities. Offering similar training for LSAT and GMAT uh, would, would provide uh, growth opportunities um, and, and would be a low-cost solution. Large subscriber base, 14,000. Seller has uh, proven how large the market is. He's not a well-known brand when compared with some of the larger competition, but he has a growing number of monthly subscribers. He launched it in 2019. Uh, it's an affordable, low cost. So they're you know, really emphasizing that low cost, but at the same time saying they could increase. Uh, low cost test prep program for students taking GRE and TOEFL. I don't even know what that is, exams. Uh, most of the customers uh, access the site for GRE prep content. There are study plans, practice problems, quizzes. Uh, prior to the business, the seller would never have described himself as a businessman. He was a teacher. Interesting with over a decade of experience teaching both domestic and international students. Much of his teaching was done in the test prep niche. Uh, He noticed a hole in the market and uh, for the affordable test prep, and he sought to undermine the very expensive options. Boy, this is pretty detailed. I'm trying to screen through it here quickly. A high quality GRE tutor costs 200 to $500 an hour. Um, This industry, in this industry, consumers are willing to spend a lot of money to help their kids uh, do well in those, in those, uh, Test scores. Boy, I it keeps going. Um, let me get to the rest of it here. Uh, the seller. Okay, we got that part. <laughs> I love this um, line. The seller has spent a large amount of time in the GRE subreddit, which has yielded a substantial amount of referral traffic. I mean, that's actually some great, probably guerrilla marketing. Yeah, that's what I. Sorry, it was a uh, my my screen was trying to find the the rest of it, but yeah, yeah the sellers receive unsolicited offers offers for the business. And is interested in exploring other opportunities following the sale. And they say here 140,000 YouTube subscribers. I would be really curious about, you know, the revenue that that they're pulling off of, you know, off of just those YouTube subscriptions, because that's not insignificant. I've noticed Quiet Light does this weird thing where they give you information in the email that is because you were reading off of the email I forwarded you. But then when you actually go to the page, the website page, um, and you click on, you know, on, on the link, so to speak, from the email, th- there's information that was in the email that's not in the main listing page, like that, that whole detail about mm-hmm. $5 versus $7 a month and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So no, that's kind of quirky of them. But um, this is, this is kind of interesting. So it's GRE test yeah. prep. Yeah. So, so I, what I, well, one thing that just jumped out at me is just kind of a personal story. My best friend is a teacher. And I always tell her about what I do. And I always say, gosh, you could buy a business. You know, we have these talks and she says, no, what, what kind of business could I buy? Okay. This is for my friend. I'm going to make her watch this episode, this one, or you could start a business like this. This is a teacher that, uh, that saw the opportunity. So I think that's really, really cool. Personally. Um, it's obviously got a huge margin. So it sounds like it's just the one person, the seller, 
um, creating the content, um, probably hired some developers and, um, you know, built this business um, and, and built up the subscriptions really sounds like totally driven by the low price. You know, the, I'm sure quality content as well, but low price. I'm sure that there is just, you know, to, to their to their credit, you know, the blue ocean here is probably going on this, you know, this subreddit and uh, maybe creating some kind of unique and, and identifiably you know, unique content on YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, but my guess is, is the Google pay-per-clicks, the Google AdWords for this is probably insane. You know, there's, mm -hmm. this is, I mean, it's so the GRE test is if you're going to go to grad school, you got to take the GRE unless you can exempt out for some reason. And they don't say anything about this, but like the elephant in the room to me is the churn on this. Mm -hmm. Like if they're yeah. doing their job, you know, you're constantly going to be churning your subscribers because they, they pass the test. They don't need to keep mm -hmm. taking it. There's some businesses that almost have kind of inherent, um, you know, an inherently finite life for customers. Um, the hospice business is this way. You know, mm -hmm. it, the, the, they pay per head, so to speak. That's what they call their census. And, you know, they, they make a boatload of money per person, but it's a very, it, it's hospice. So by definition, these yeah. people are not expected to live more than six months. This business, this testing business has got to be, you know, a much shorter, you know, time horizon yeah. than that. You know, um, I think you can take the GRE once every maybe three or four weeks, once a month. So, you know, if you don't pass the first time, you probably go pay for, you know, a service like this. And if you don't pass the second time, like you're talking about maybe two to three months max. I was going to say, if, if they have a lot of repeat customers, that's not good. Yeah, yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> in every other software system, it's good. But in this, it would be <laughs> <Yeah>. really bad. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you could awesome. ask probably, you know, a half dozen to a dozen questions of the seller and really understand a lot more about the business that we, you know, obviously don't know that much about it now, but, you know, I would want to understand what's their revenue by kind of category or revenue by, you know, by, by kind of channel, because, you know, you would think at least 75% of this has to be the subscription. And maybe there's some incidental things like, you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching or the YouTube channel, or maybe they sell some test prep materials, physical materials or digital downloads. But, the vast majority of this business has got to be, you know, this, this subscription offering, but it could tell you a lot because there may be some kind of diamonds in the rough. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, and like you said, they've got to have a lot of a, a pretty extensive marketing channel so that when the person searches for these, for, for this kind of test prep, uh, they're finding them, uh, whether it's pay-per-click or, you know, they didn't mention SEO. So I would imagine it, you're right. It's, it's probably pay-per-click at this point. Um, trying to go back to what year did this business start? 2019. So it's not very old. And so I would expect if we were look back historically, there's been a pretty, you know, hockey stick growth curve probably mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this person's probably selling where they feel like maybe they're at the top, you know, because yeah. there is a, also a, a finite market, right? They, they said something in there. There's a little hint. He's proven how big the market is, which mm -hmm. maybe kind of means he thinks that's it. Now that's as big as it is. And I've, I've reached it and, uh, and, and now I'm ready to sell. One of the, one of my favorite soapboxes is, you know, in the time that I get most opinionated and passionate on the podcast, which doesn't happen very often is whether or not a deal pencils. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I look at this and just kind of trying to reverse engineer it, it can make me kind of mad because obviously this business has insanely high margins. 
$787,000 of revenue and $685,000. That $100,000 of cost is probably, you know, hosting fees, maybe some third party, you know, copywriting. I don't know. It's minimal, right? And maybe, you know, maybe there's even some comp in there for this seller. So in, insanely high margin business, a lot of respect to them for that. But they want an 8.75 times multiple on that net income to get to a $6 million purchase price. And so you think about it, just to, just to you know, recoup your, your outlay, because we'll talk about the SBA financeable aspect of this next, and I want to spend a lot of time there. But if, let's just say this was cash purchase price, and it's not levered. At, on an after-tax basis, you're talking about 10 to 12 years before you get your money back. And when you, when you think about this kind of as simply as, as you can, will this business keep doing what it's been doing for the next decade or more? There's a lot of competition. And those really high margins attract a lot of competition. And so it just seems a little bit far-fetched to say, this business can keep doing that. The market won't move from underneath it. And this business can keep doing what it's been doing for a decade. So that tells you if you're going to pay that price, you have to have some eye towards some, un, some part of your underwriting is it's not margin expansion. You know, you're not going to make more money off the revenue that you already have, but you're going to grow it. You anticipate being able to grow revenue significantly in order to be able to pay that price. And that's, that seems like a really big if. Right. And I, that's, I, I'm kind of going to counter that, that they've already kind of hinted to me that they, they don't think you can, you know, like th- we've proven how big it is. And yeah, there's just only so many people every year that are going to take these tests and, and try to get into the, into grad school. Um, so what they're, I, I mean, what they hinted at is margin expansion, right? They said, oh, it's only five and $7 and they never did any testing on these, you know, so you could come in and raise the price. But on the other hand, they're saying the whole reason this guy, or gal figured out how big the market is, is uh, by offering the low price. So I think that would be extremely risky for a buyer to do that, to come in and say, I think I can just raise double these prices or raise them by 30% or whatever it might be. That would be really scary. Um, So to your point, to pay a a multiple like this would be really tough to make money. I think uh, what happens, at least in my mind, is people who have small um, tech-enabled or SaaS companies uh, they just read the headlines. Uh, I, I should be getting paid eight to 10 times. And and that's what I've read. And so therefore, uh, that's what I want. And uh, and no one really sits them down and go, well, you know, let's let's get a little more granular with your business about this. So that, but I, I, having said that, I see a lot of deals where the price comes down as we get through the process. You know, even mm-hmm. if the LOI is a little too high, I, I see that very often, honestly. Um in fact, uh, the, lately I've had a few like that where the LOI came in too high. We like the company; it's good, but we sort of coached everybody through this is too much, and uh, the sellers were willing to retrade after a little bit of diligence and discussion. So, yeah, um, that, maybe there's a deal there that could be financed, but it probably wouldn't be at this price. And I think, I mean, this is the this is the bear case, right? This is you know, hey, I, I don't know that this is going to work, and here's all the reasons why it shouldn't. I think the bull case for this is. This person, they've said, I'm not a marketer. I don't know how to do this. I'm a teacher and I wrote the content and I've managed to you know, do way better than I expected with this. I think the bull case is there's somebody who really knows what they're doing with online advertising and the ability to you know, kind of pour, pour some, you know, some fuel on this fire already. 
And, you know, if if you are if you're good at the marketing, if you can generate demand and kind of a distribution channel for this that's scalable, I I think that the TAM for this is way larger than a million bucks a year. You know, I think there's this is a hyper competitive space. If you Google GRE test prep, I mean, it is just insane. So if if you had somebody who knew what they were doing and could monetize, you know, the the ad spend and kind of a real return on investment sense. I think you could go somewhere with it. The other thing that that a lot of people do in this space is they they branch out. So I looked at a business that was actually surprisingly large, like two point maybe it was two point eight million dollars in EBITDA, and they were selling eight dollar serve safe uh, certification tests. So if you're you know going to go work in a kitchen somewhere, they say mm-hmm. you know show up next Monday. You need to have black shoes, bl- black closed toed shoes, black <laughs> pants, and you need a serve safe certificate in order to work in the kitchen. And these things were eight dollars, and this business was netting two point eight million dollars. And wow. obviously, there's a lot more you know there's a lot more kitchen workers um, and people who go you know take on a part time job than there are people mm-hmm. who you know are going to, to to pay money to get their GRE. But it kind of it it reminds me of that, especially in the low cost category. But what that person did in that business that was so unique was they realized, you know, this is a fairly standardized test and you kind of have to know the nuances if there's differences per state and things like that, which the GRE wouldn't be that way. But somebody who's really good at this, they could say, I know how to I know how to distribute it. I know how to get customers in my pipeline and convert them, potential customers and convert them to customers. So I want to do this with the LSAT. I want to do this with other exams, you know, and it is, I mean, exam prep, it's a pretty high margin business, not just this one. I don't think that this is a huge outlier. I think it's probably a little bit, a little bit rich, but um, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility in the bull case to take this and really do something with it. But I I think if you're going to, if you're going to predicate your purchase of this on that much, uh, you know, that much. Uh, of a of a purchase price you're predicating on that much growth you can't pay this purchase price all right taking a quick pause here i have something to tell you this is michael i hate bookkeeping i hate bookkeeping i hate doing hr i hate doing all that kind of stuff uh but for bookkeeping i have found a solution it is um my friend charlie's business called cloudbookkeeping.com so that's cloudbookkeeping.com uh they are your perfect partner if you want to get bookkeeping out of your hair and focus on making your company, your customers happier and more successful. So um, please give them a call. Call Charlie, cloudbookkeeping.com. Tell them we sent you. Uh, They're a great way if you're a business buyer, if you're a business owner, you're tired of hassling uh, with getting your bookkeeping done. He's got a whole fleet of people that are well-trained and work for him. Uh, He's located here in San Antonio. So I can tell you because of that, he's awesome. And uh, they're a great partner for you to potentially call to help with all your bookkeeping needs so you can do the important stuff in your business uh, rather than worry about getting your books right. So uh, give Charlie a call, cloudbookkeeping.com. And now back to the episode. I agree. And I also worry about content uh, businesses um, because the seller was the creator. That's such a good point. Yeah. And and maybe these tests change over time, you know, or if you're going to expand you're, you're, you need that creator there. There's some magic in what they're doing. Um, it's not just in, a marketer can't do that. Um, so maybe if a marketer did buy it, they still have to pay somebody to be a good creator and they have to find that person. So when I look at financing these kinds of things, that's the big, uh, transition risk question, right? Do, do is this a transferable business 
lenders would start to think maybe not because let's look at this content and do these tests change over time? How often is the, is the Mm -hmm. founder going back and changing the content and updating it for whatever test changes are happening? And I also wonder if there was a COVID bump because Mm -hmm. uh, I thought, I thought there was sort of a surge, you know, when people were stuck at home, let's just go back to school. Maybe this is the time to do it. Yeah. And so I wonder, you know, if we look back historically, if there's maybe a little bit of a COVID bump that happened and maybe there might be some normalization after that, that's, that's something that all lenders kind of look at these days. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think there's a lot of kind of, you know, not to, not to say this in any condescending way, but like the nerd, so to speak, creates this business. And I say that very lovingly because they are the one who can go into the subreddit and can, you know, really do something incredible because they can navigate the nuances, you know, of this subculture, right, of people who are looking for test prep and they know the questions people are asking. They know, you know, exactly how to position themselves and um, and and they can obviously, you know, navigate the curriculum and not just the curriculum right now, but the nuances of new curriculum and, and testing being updated and those kind of things. Um, let's talk about Heather, the financing aspects of this. So I I guess maybe let's start with the, the SBA pre-qualification and partially pre-qualified and just help, help kind of pull the curtain back on that a little bit. Yeah. I forgot about my favorite part about this deal. Uh, yes. So there is no such thing as SBA pre-qualification. I I've talked about this before. Um, all that that's really going on there is the broker is going to approach a lender who is a salesperson. They're not the credit people. Uh, credit people, trust me, do not have time to look at deals that don't have signed LOIs and, you know, an actual buyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're not looking at marketing packages and SIMs. Uh, that's just a salesperson. And the salesperson is very going to be very reluctant to say no to a pre-qualification because they're relying on that broker for referrals. It's a, you know, it's a sales relationship. Mm-hmm. So they're going to just give you a pre-qual <laughs> and they might run a cash flow, but what cash flow? What does this even mean? If we don't have a buyer, we don't know how much equity, we don't know the price, any of that. So it's just a marketing tool that brokers use. Um, and I think it's funny that this one said partially pre-qualified because it's just it, it, it's not a good. I don't think that's good marketing. At yeah. least SBA pre-qualified is it's not real, but it's good marketing. And this one's kind of not good marketing, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I think that, so, so basically the pre-qualification letter is just a lender saying, and, and, you know, an SBA, um, lender. So, so that's not somebody from the small business administration. This is somebody from a third party bank who does SBA loans and they're writing a letter saying, you know, Hey, yeah, you know, this business isn't disqualified at face value. You know, they're not, you know, a a prohibited category for the SBA. They're not, a you know, a, a lender. They're not, you know, a gambling institution. They're yeah. not, you know, a vice business that's, it, you know, just prohibited by by category. And yeah. so, yes, it's it's pre-qualified in the sense that, you know, it's not on the the big no-no list, but um, it, you know, the merits of the deal have to stand on their own. It's not just a get out of jail free card. And yeah, you can sail all yeah. the way to closing. Yeah. It's like saying it's possible. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's possible under, you know, it's all the details that make it possible really at the end of the day. And they're not going to go through any of that. Um, And they're also not going to ask hard questions. So one of the things that we all see with Sims is they don't, they try to highlight the positives and they don't usually touch on important questions, um, maybe especially if their answers aren't great. Uh, And so uh, in a prequal scenario, that lender, that SBA lender at a bank, they're not even going to ask the hard questions because why, 
why make why piss off the broker now? I want the referral later on, you know. So it's all very light touch, no hard questions. It's it's so it's not really meaningful at all. Yeah, yeah. What I mean, what do you think about this scenario and and whether and how financeable it is? I mean, at this multiple and this level of debt income, when you just kind of try and do the math to say, even if there's, you know, a million or in a, well, let's just say it's a million and a half dollars down, it's 25% down, 75% loan to value. So on four and a half million dollars worth of debt, I don't know that you can make your debt service payments unless the amortization goes 15 to 20 years, which it won't. It won't. Yeah. So you cannot get more than 10 years if you go SBA. And so a good rule of thumb, whenever we look at these higher multiple businesses, instead of thinking about how much, what percentage down payment, what percentage seller note, the easier rule of thumb is just to say, how many turns Mm -hmm. of SBA could this afford? And maximum four. You can't, at today's rates and with a Mm 10-year amortization, do the math, you'll see you can't get more than four. So if you're paying eight, uh, then you've got four turns, a gap. Of equity you know, you to come might, up with, yeah. That's right. So it's a lot of equity. And to your point, then what's the return on equity in that scenario where you can't really lever up very much? Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, if we say, you know, comfortably maybe between two and a half and, and $3 million worth of, of debt that could be put on this business. And then you're having to come up with, you know, another 50% of the purchase price, a little bit more than 50% of the purchase price in the form of, you know, equity and, and maybe some other kind of consideration or just reduction yeah, of purchase it, price. <laughs> it, it can't even be a seller note that amortizes because you're, you, you know, when I say four turns, that's because you're maxing out your DSCR, your debt service coverage ratio. So you don't have any room for any more payments in there. It'd have to be equity, maybe some rollover equity. The SBA allows that now, um, you know, and, and maybe that would be good in this scenario because of that creator situation. Maybe this, this individual would roll some equity and stay for, you know, building new content and not run the marketing side of the business. But if a lender looks at this, I know it sounds great. Annual recurring revenue is X and that's wonderful. But churn, to your point, you said it earlier. Is it recurring if the churn is really high? And we know it's really high. It has it's to gotta be. be. It's got to be 100% churn, you know, I mean, 100% within, within churn. a 12-month so that's period. Not, so. it's, yeah, I don't really know that that in my mind as a lender feels like recurring revenue. That feels like a marketing business, that a content business and a marketing business that has to have a robust channel that works. And and I've seen even just this week, uh, small businesses that are really dependent on their SEO or their pay-per-click and Google has done something and or they did it. We're not really sure uh, what caused it, but they drop off. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's that's what happened to this business, I think, or the price change or anything. It's, it feels like it's a very fine balance to keep the numbers where they are. And that would be something a lender would really underwrite. So they, they may not even want to go four turns of EBITDA, uh, you know, in that in that case. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that tells me that, you know, this either, I mean, they have 14,000 subscribers right now. It's amazing. Very impressive. You know, mm-hmm. really really cool that this person built this to me it's almost a little bit like you know the guy who built the uh the wordle you know he's kind of you know has some innate skills he builds this thing it serves a purpose this could have started out as hey i I do gre you know test prep for people maybe this is more in a a more efficient way to deliver it and then all of a sudden you have something the guy who built wordle is like oh man now you know i have all these people i can't keep up with it it kind of defeats the purpose that i intended it for okay new york times you can come buy it and 
you know, th- this to me is probably, you know, uh, it's it's very it's it's a reach, right, in terms of valuation expectations. But as one of my my really old old friends here in Colombia says, this older guy who's been in the real estate market for a long time, he says all the fools ain't dead. So there are people who are willing sometimes to come along and do things that don't make any sense, you know, and they don't pencil and they they aren't logical. But you know, or I think strategic. a lot. Yeah, so that's that's what I was going to say. I think there is yeah. there's a chance that somebody just comes along and they have more money than they have since, and that's always a possibility. But the market is usually going to tell you what you know what a business is worth or what an asset is worth. There is a chance that somebody comes along and they go, "Oh, we already have great test prep in you know these categories, but we don't have GRE." The problem to me with that is is that this is not an inherently high barrier to entry business or category, they could go spend $100,000 building and recruiting the best possible, you know, test prep folks in the GRE space and just pay them a fee to help write the content and the curriculum. And, you know, your customers probably don't last more than three to four months. And so I don't know that there's a ton of value. The the YouTube base is, is arguably very valuable. Um, they probably have an email list, you know, that they could sell something to in some way, shape or form that's tangential. But to me, the the case against a strategic buying this is that they could build it or they probably already have it unless there is some major intellectual property, you know, kind of component to this that is truly unique and truly differentiating. But my thought is it's probably not worth, you know, that delta between the cost to build and the cost to buy this. I have to agree. Yeah, there, there is a, there's a nice deal for someone here, but it would be a lot lower purchase price um, mm-hmm. than than what you're seeing here. And I agree. If it's a, stri- a strategic looked at this, they'd probably say, "Well, I could build that. We could just, we could build it cheaper than paying, you know, ten years worth of of uh, of its current revenue to to own it." So, yeah, tough one, tough one at, at this valuation. I guess it will depend on how motivated the seller really is. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I kind of look at these sometimes as this is maybe a seller is not ready to retire. So maybe he's just testing the market. Mm-hmm. And I always tell my buyers, don't get sucked into that because you're wasting your time helping them test the market. Yeah. You know, yeah. if they're not really motivated. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, I, I, I say that like things need to marinate sometimes, you know, that person has to go get disappointed. You know, they have to kind of they kind of have to go out there and go, you know what? Somebody told me $6 million or, you know, eight, eight to 10 times, but it, that, that's not actually panning out for me. And yeah. if you're waiting, you know, and, and you have money that's burning a hole in your pocket or investors who are like, Hey, it's time to get something done. You need to go put this capital to work. You can't always wait on people's education, you know, about, about what is fair and what is market and what is equitable. As a lender, I see that actually play out over like years. So I will see the same deal. Um, you know, I'll see that they attempt and it falls apart. You know, people are interested, but then they figure out it's not, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it comes back. You know, it's, it's so many, it's funny how many, I've seen one that it took two years and three different brokers before they got to, and lots of who knows how many buyers wasted their time on that deal. And finally they did sell and it was a good deal in the end, but their valuation was completely different than where they started. Yeah. Yeah. And I see it a lot, a lot like that. That's the nature of it. Well, thanks Heather. This was a fun one. Thanks everybody for sticking with us and and hearing the nuances of this business. Thanks to our sponsors for this week and uh, tune in next week for another deal.